um, you know, as creative folks, if we're, you know, like you said, crafting a piece or if we're devising or creating as playwrights or designers, sometimes you hit that moment where it's hard and it's uncomfortable and you're not sure where to go. But if you can sit with it and breathe with it and let the the big problem in front of you sort of dissipate, there's also new ways that come up to make those connections. <laughs> episode 19 of Find Your Light, the podcast that helps women plus in theater take center stage in lives they love. I am your host, Emily Stamets, and today I'm talking with Emily Raleigh. It was a little weird to talk to another Emily, I'm not going to lie, but she was worth it. So Emily is a passionate artist, scholar, and a freelance yogi and director slash yogi director She kind of combines those two words together, which is super fun. She's an assistant professor at Central Washington University. She teaches theater pedagogy, dramatic literature, theater history, directing, acting, women and gender studies, and yoga, of course. Our conversation today is about taking care of the self, of creating creative space, both in our busy lives and also in our actual physical bodies. I hope that you take away as much to think about and as much uh, motivation to get your body going as I did, because I found this to be an incredibly inspiring conversation. All right, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Emily Raleigh. Um, well, Emily, I'm super excited to talk to you today. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to share all of your knowledge and wisdom and everything you have to say. I'm super excited to hear about the work you do with yoga and theater people in particular. I think that's really in such an interesting cross-section. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on and letting me talk about something I'm really passionate about. (laughs) (laughs) Always. (laughs) So how did you get started? I want to hear about both. I want to hear how you got started in theater and what that journey has looked like. In particular, how you then connected that to a yoga practice and where you, how you got to what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. And like many artists, it was a winding and continues to be a winding journey, but they actually come together quite nicely and interestingly, I think. Um, My mother would tell you that I have always been doing theater. Um, When I was little, we used to put on plays in our basement and charge admission. So we were small (laughs) entrepreneurs. Um, And so my mother, when I told her, you know, I was going to go down the theatrical path, there was a nod and a smile and a yes, and no pushback whatsoever. So I've been very fortunate to have a lot of fabulous support from my family who clearly knew that there was a theater artist in the making. Um, but I grew up doing theater uh, all my life um, in a very small town so I could do as much or as little as I wanted to, and I wanted to do it all. So as many of us, I grew up as a performer, though I also had a a director choreographer when I was in middle school who looked at me and she said, I think you would be a really good director. And I sort of hung on to that and thought, well, okay, whatever. Um, And continued along my path. But later down the road, I realized that directing had seeped into my brain. um, And I was at, I was actually auditioning myself for a role and was at callbacks and found myself casting people in my head for the roles that I probably should be casting myself for. (laughs) So, I was a director sort of through and through. It's sort of been in my brain and in my body for a long time. Um, When I went through my undergraduate degree degree program, uh, I was also drawn to education. So I've also been a teacher in a lot of different capacities through my life. And so I brought those things together. And after I graduated from undergrad, I taught in a public school and a high school, and I taught English and drama which was a lovely experience bringing some of my passion to this school and the students that were just hungry to demonstrate their talents and their voices through art, which was lovely and inspiring. Um, And so I did that for three or four years before I decided that there was time for the next step. And I went on to get my master's degree specifically in theater um, so that I could do more of that work because I was finding teaching in the public schools, I had to balance a lot of things and I really wanted to do more theater work and really work in that. Um, so I did my master's in theater 
um, and did a lot of freelance work where I taught everything from kindergartners and pre-K through senior citizens, ran the whole gamut and directed shows. And it was lovely. Though what I was discovering too, as I was teaching acting, was how in our heads we get sometimes as artists. And so I was finding that a lot of my theatrical teaching and my directing was really trying to get us back into our bodies and becoming more aware of that, Uh, which brings us sort of into the yoga path because I was also practicing yoga. I'm also a distance runner, so that helps balance some of the running. Um, And I was finding for myself and my artistic practice that yoga had these really interesting overlaps with theater and acting and acting theory. Um, And as I taught more and more in the acting world and in theater in general, I was seeing how they resonated with each other in so many ways, which piqued my interest. Um, And then I did my PhD at the University of Missouri uh, with a focus sort of in directing and how directors specifically women directors, which is part of the reason I'm drawn to your podcast, mm-hmm. um, negotiate power in the rehearsal space. And what I also noticed in that work was so many of these fabulous, outstanding creative women uh, who are juggling a lot of things as directors also were trying to find ways to manage stress and have self-care and really open up those creative juices. And some of them were drawn toward meditative practices. Mm-hmm. So it brought me back to yoga a little more. Um, and when I was teaching at my first institution, I was doing yoga as warm-ups with my actors. And I realized partway through that, oh, I'm doing my own practice. I'm teaching this with my students. But I'd really like to know more about how I'm teaching the yoga piece of it. Because I felt really comfortable, of course, with the theater and the acting theory. Mm-hmm. And so I did my yoga teacher training. And in that, the light bulb went on. And I really got to see how the work that we do as creative artists and as theater folk, specifically with acting theory, but even broader than that, I would argue, really interacts with mindfulness practices and yoga as a larger philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did my yoga teacher training to make sure too that I wasn't breaking my student actors and asking them to do things that were too ridiculous. <laughs> so it was <laughs> There's nothing too increased. ridiculous, but that's not really true. <laughs> right? <laughs> Trying to, you know, making sure it was doing the right thing with them. Yeah. Um, and many of those student actors would, you know, comment after class or after they finished my classes that they missed that piece mm-hmm. of their warm up and their actor practice. Mm-hmm. So I started putting these things all together um, and then have since developed a yoga for artists workshop at my current institution every Wednesday at five when the shops close and people are between classes and shops and rehearsal, I do a wellness Wednesday is what we call it. Mm -hmm. And it's open to theater faculty, staff and students, and they can come roll out their yoga mat. And I lead them in about an hour's practice of meditation and yoga. And I've been doing it for almost three years. And we've had this small but mighty cohort of people who really appreciate it and have grown in their practice and have found the ways that it's opened up creativity for them. And so for me, it's bringing both of those things together. Is how do we do self-care as artists? Um, specifically as women artists, there's a lot of invisible labor that goes on. And so how do we find those avenues to balance and take that time, um, but then also use that to spur our creativity? So the paths sort of came together and now wind around each other in a really intricate, fabulous way for me as an artist and as a yoga teacher, which is great and so exciting. That's super cool. That's like, I, I love it. I have so many like very specific questions, but I, they're probably going to come up as we go. Um, so give us a snapshot of what you do now. Like what does a quote unquote typical day look like? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm also a theater faculty member. So I teach acting, uh, directing, theater history, dramatic lit, so across our BFA and BA programs. Um, So a typical day could be in the classroom teaching a theater history class in the morning, maybe an acting class in the afternoon, which there's always some hint of yoga um, Mm -hmm. or breathing or just grounding and centering before we jump into our work. And I'll use that even in my theater history classes too, as we either come back from an activity or we start and the students come in from a whole host of things. And so we'll often use just small mini mindful moments in that uh, before we dive into content. Um, And then usually in the afternoon, late afternoon, early evening for me, 
Um, it's either teaching a yoga class at a local studio or if it's Wednesday, um, doing our wellness Wednesday before we jump into rehearsals for the evening. Uh, and I use a lot of yoga in our warm-ups when I do rehearsals as a director as well, just to help the students sort of center and reground themselves. Um, I've been doing a lot of intimacy choreography and training. So that mindfulness has come into that as well from me as director, thinking about how we're attentive to the actors we work with in the space and what they're bringing in and how we interact with them and thinking about what we're asking them to do on stage. And so a lot of that feeds into the yoga uh, and the yoga practice as well. So it could be anything from a small mini breathing meditation, just sitting in one's chair, breathing in for four, letting that breath sit for four, exhaling for four, letting that breath um, just linger. That's box breathing um, is kind of what I call it. And that can be as simple as, as that breathing practice or actually getting on our feet and doing sun salutes or doing some yoga postures, or the physical asana to let our bodies open up, to let our brains open up um, and our emotional memories and, and playing with some of those things to help us really be present. Because we talk so much um, in our acting theory about being present and speaking on the breath. And that's what yoga is doing too, is being really present and aware um, and using the breath to inhabit our movement. So I find ways to fuel it in. I had a student uh, just this past year say to me, you're always doing yoga, aren't you? And I thought to myself, well, no, I'm not always doing yoga. Um, and then I thought about it and, and they were right <laughs> because it sort of enhances everything in, in small, sneaky, subtle ways. So it's maybe covert yoga all the time. Um, but it was really covert interesting yoga. to hear that student say that. <laughs> yes, covert yoga. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, something else that, that I'm seeing uh, as a, um, a really strong connection there too is for for me, um, and maybe other people who are listening, um, a, a lot of yoga is like staying in when something gets really uncomfortable yeah. and having the tools and the breath management and the, you know, the peace of mind to know that discomfort is temporary and all of that good, all the good stuff that comes out of those moments when, when, mm -hmm. and I see such a strong connection there, especially in performing, but even in things like collaborating with the design team or, um, in bringing a new piece to life, there are so many moments when we have to push through intense discomfort, um, or maybe not, maybe push through is the wrong word, but like breathe through intense discomfort mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. lean into it and relax into it in order to allow the emotional truth to come forth, to allow the collaboration to live and to allow the, the pieces to really come to light. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right on. That's one of the, the lovely gifts that it gives you. I, I tell my students, both theater and yoga, um, that discomfort is something we can exist in and we can find a way to breathe through and uh, find our way out. If it's painful, we'll then back out, right? Make a change because <laughs> that's not what we want. But if it's uncomfortable, sometimes we have to sit in that and we can find great things. Um, you know, as creative folks, if we're, you know, like you said, crafting a piece or if we're devising or creating as playwrights or as designers, sometimes you hit that moment where it's hard and it's uncomfortable and you're not sure where to go. But if you can sit with it and breathe with it and let the, the big problem in front of you sort of dissipate, there's also new ways that come up to make those connections. And it's actually the brain nerd science of it all. The uh, neuroscience is actually creating some new neural pathways that offer new creative impulses by just letting go of that immediate problem and sort of sitting with it, but not focusing on it so intensely. So you're absolutely right that discomfort can actually be really illuminating, um, but learning how to sit in that because our first response is to absolutely tense up and then run away from it, which you can't do on stage if there's no line there, right? <laughs> you have to be there. I'm thinking specifically of pigeon pose. So that's mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what is the one where it's like the, where for me, I get the biggest, it's like intensely discomfort, discomfortable, uncomfortable, uh, the discomfortable. That's not a word. Um, maybe I should make it a word. Whatever. Here we are. Yeah. Intensely yeah. uncomfortable. But I know that when I relax into it, you can get that sort of like clarity and that sort of like whoosh feeling of just letting mm -hmm. it be what it is. 
Um, and you yeah. need that as an artist too, like you need that in, um, in moments of, yeah, like the, like really true emotional moments when you're performing, especially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there Absolutely. Fosters that you have found to be helpful for like opening up those creative pipelines? Yeah. So we tend to, um, interestingly enough, a lot of the, the people who have responded the most in, and maybe even had the most illumination in some of these yoga for artists sessions are some of the designers and technicians, mm-hmm. um, because of some of the physical work that they do in addition to the creative brain space they have to hold. Um, so I like to do a lot of opening up of the chest and that sort of heart area because we tend to hold so much there, um, both physically and emotionally. And then in some sessions, we also do a lot of work with opening up that the throat chakra, the source of communication, so that we can then let our creative impulses out and collaborate with others more readily. So we tend to do some work there. Um, and then also, we tend to, as humans, and then as artists who feel quite deeply emotionally, stuff a lot of things in the hip area. And so we do a lot of hip opening, um, which both in the practicality of, you know, a designer who is drafting or sitting at a desk and trying to craft this beautiful soundscape to open things up there can be really useful as well. And then it opens up emotional components too, because we, we stuff stuff there. Um, I have a fabulous teacher who always says the issues are in our tissues, uh, which is a little cliched, sure, but it's true. It lives in the body. And so opening those things up in the hips, so pigeon pose is excellent. Though you're right, very uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, But it can open up great wealth of things and finding and living in those spaces uh, becomes important. But then also, I find a lot of work that needs to happen in the the chest and the heart area, um, Mm -hmm. both because of our day-to-day workings, but also how much we give as artists to our work and to our creative projects. So opening up that up then allows those things to begin to sort of metaphysically um, manifest as well. Absolutely. I love that. I know um, that I, every time I'm doing energy work of any kind, um, I, I, I get a lot of feedback that like my, um, my like third eye is taking on a lot of the work of like of mm-hmm. what I do and I so for me like a big focus and this is so hippie to be you guys I love it so much um mm-hmm. but a lot of what I do is allowing um is like opening up the pathway to allow my heart to carry a little bit more and to allow my throat to carry a little bit more because mm-hmm. that's where we have to speak from right so I can't like I don't know there's probably other people out there like me who try to analyze like analyze things instead of feeling through things because it's mm-hmm. safer to use our brains in a lot of ways um, but it's not as powerful, I don't think. So that's really yeah, cool. yeah. I and I think as artists, we have to be in tune with both body and that energy, right? And so the yoga, in its larger practice, both the physical asana, just logistically and physically, opens the body up from some of the repetitive work that we do. Mm-hmm. But then also energetically and in the brain space, which is the most fascinating part of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, actually gives room for more creative thought processes to happen, which I think ultimately benefits the work that we're doing in the rehearsal space and the creative space. Absolutely. And um, another thing that I'm, this is like bringing up so many really good thoughts and like memories. Um, I had a friend in college who every time she would lay down backwards over a yoga ball to like sort of open up, she would cry. Like every time she did a hip hip opener of any kind, she would just like burst out into tears. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, But it really is true um, that we, the way I think about it is like our emotions and our energy and our memories and our experience has to live in all of the spaces between ourselves and all of the space within ourselves, it doesn't have anywhere else to live. So every time I hear someone sort of saying, oh, like, I'll start working out when or someday I'll have time to do yoga. I'm like, but you can't, like, uh, you can't ignore that because your body is, right? And it, mm-hmm. we are not separate from our bodies. We are of our bodies and our bodies hold all of that stuff. I have so many yes. Okay. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. And I tell my students who look at me and they, you know, well, and my colleagues and, you know, people who come to my workshops, 
some folks will say, you know, I don't have a yoga body. And my response is, do you have a body? And they're like, yes. And my response then is, well, then you have a yoga body because that can do the yoga. It, we just make it work for your body because everybody's different. But paying attention to that and, you know, what you're hitting on too is that, that life-work balance that we as artists get so stuck in the work. But how do we balance in self-care? Uh, I've done a lot of these workshops at conferences for artists. And that's usually the, the comment is they then move through the rest of their day in this much more... Uh, open and calm sort of space where, you know, we're doing project after project after project and there's a lot of deadlines and we have to get this design done or get to rehearsal. But we also have to inhabit that and honor the body that is getting us there and doing that work and open up that mental and physical space. So you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's, there's so much going on there and honoring the body and offering space and everybody can do it. Um, it's adjustable for ages. It's physically adjustable. Um, the, yeah, it is lovely and accessible, which is why I love doing the Yoga for Artists workshops because it means that I can bring those tools to someone and then they can take them. And even if it's two minutes, it's two fabulous minutes that you can give yourself of self-care and breathing and just a little bit of physical space, which is great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. So powerful. Um, can you tell us a vivid memory that you have of working in the theater? Oh my gosh. Uh, there are so many, this is a dangerous question. Asking your artist, isn't it? <laughs> <It's so fun. laughs> um, well, I think one particularly vivid memory is when I was doing some of my dissertation research on these amazing women directors who are still my idols and icons. Um, I was in rehearsal observing one of them and she was getting ready to do warm-ups with her actors, which she did regularly. And she looked at me and she said, I don't have observers in my rehearsal room. Mm -hmm. And at first I was kind of horrified. Like you said that I could watch and what do I do next? And then she turned around and just opened her arms and she said, come join us. And then led us in this fabulous physical warm-up that used, yes, a lot of breathing and yoga, but that open acceptance um, and encouragement of everyone in the room to be part of that ensemble and process was so eye-opening and it felt so good. And you could see everyone in the room just sort of brimming with the energy that that brought. And I think that to me is what theater is. Um, and part of the reason many of us keep coming back to it is that community and that space of inclusion and belonging that sort of radical openness that we bring to the space. Um, and so her words just linger in my brain. I don't have observers in my rehearsal room. Um, and I hope that I can, as artists, bring that into my directing work as a director, um, but also this work that I'm doing that has kind of emerged in terms of using yoga and mindfulness, that mindful awareness of everybody's welcome and everyone should come to the table and we want you here at this table because all of those artistic impulses are so important to the work, even if you're just there observing for, you know, a week. Um, but it was such a powerful moment. And this particular director shows just brim of life and um, ensemble and imagination. And I think because she was so inclusive, the imagination just then comes and infuses the work. And so I strive to continue to be like that. Um, and it's a moment that I think will live with me forever and just echo in the, the chambers of my heart and my brain and my, my imagination. Yeah. So how are, are there any specific ways that that moment has changed your practice? You know, I think actually, yes. Now that you ask and I'm, I'm really processing that, um, I think that sense of everyone's welcome and in fact the the encouragement to try really infuses my my yoga classes particularly uh, i open pretty much every class with um a variation on some sort of comment that you know this this is your practice and i'm fortunate to be here to lead you but you need to take the risks for yourself and come to your mat and be honest and authentic with 
whatever's going on for you today. Um, and so modify for your body, adjust for your body, find where you can be in this practice, but be here and be in this practice and be present with us. Um, I think it also infuses my art. I mean, my work as a director and a teacher, really realizing who's in the room and taking stock of who's in the room every day um, and giving them options so that they can soar as individual artists. That really fuels my teaching. I think it fuels my directing, really seeing who is working on stage, but then also, you know, the, the stage crew, it's important for me that my actors work side by side with the crew and they know names. And so we do a lot of ensemble building um, and sort of group checking in so that there's that community there. Um, and just even stopping and taking a breath together during tech week, which makes everyone stressed out, um, mm-hmm. can bring some of that mindfulness and awareness and community, I think, to the rehearsal space. So, I mean, now that you say that, that moment and what's lingered from it has really, I think, inspired me in a lot of ways to open up those inclusive doors um, and offer everybody an opportunity to be part and to really take part. So it's not just being an observer, but it's being part of the process and bringing everyone to the table as best I can and to their best abilities, you know, making it, it flexible for that, not a pun for the yoga, but it happens. Um, but making it flexible so that everybody can be part of the process. They can take their practice on the mat. They can be part of the creative process is so important uh, because that's where creativity really soars is when you have all the brains in the room offering these solutions and that's where the synergy happens with the creative impulse. And I think that's what's so amazing um, about the work we do and what yoga and mindfulness can bring to the work that we do as well. I'm really curious what you do when you run into, and this is probably just my experience. Like I am married to <laughs> a technician and uh, we have many, many professional technician friends, which is awesome. And yeah. I love them, but some of them are, would be very resistant to the idea of like doing a warm up with um, performers or like any sort of inclusive activity. So I'm curious what mm-hmm. what you do or if you have tips for when someone wants to be more inclusive and they want to work specifically like bringing the text into that inclusive work and that like finding that synergy. Um, how can we? How do we meet them where they are and be inclusive when you run into like that one like union guy who just wants to sit there and drink his coffee and like general yeah. mics. Cause I know that. Guy. That's a fabulous <laughs> question. Absolutely. And admittedly there's more leeway with that in an educational environment mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, but I also think in the professional environment too, um, I think part of it that, that inclusivity is being mindful and aware of where those people are at and how far where that edge is. In yoga, we talk a lot about the edge between effort and ease, where you can exist and you've gone just far enough that you feel it, but it's not over the top where it's too much or painful. And I think the same is true with with reading a rehearsal room and working with the folks who might be a little bit more resistant to that, um, is is offering them avenues to be part of the warm-up or be part of the practice that are still comfortable for them. so, you know, maybe it, you pull your chair into the edge of the circle and at least check in. And then when we're, you know, doing some stretching stuff, you can lift your arm and drink your coffee, but at least you're in the circle and having that conversation. Um, and so it's the little bits, but reading those people. Uh, I had a, a fabulous TV come into one of the Yoga for Artists sessions. And I don't think he'd ever been to a yoga class. He was his very first. Um, we talked, you know, about what it did for creativity. And then, you know, all of these other, the actor folks who had been used to it or people who had been to yoga classes started taking off their shoes and socks. They could get on the mat and do the yoga. And he looked at me and he was like, you want me to take my boots off? (laughs) And I said, well, no, you don't have to. You do not have to take your boots off. Not at all. And so we proceeded to do this lovely practice and he kept his boots on. And with that, he was so in it. But I think if I had said, take your boots off, he would have been out, you know? So reading that and giving those, those opportunities, um, or, you know, I've also had, um, some folks who 
just want to do, they're concerned about getting up and down or doing any sort of movement. So they can also do it from their chair, right? Or they can tap out. I always offer that opportunity to both actors and any of the the designers or, or run crew that's with us is if it doesn't feel good to you, step out, take a breath. And that's okay too. I don't want to make anyone do anything that they're not comfortable with because that ruins the vibe. Um, but take the step out. You're still present. You're still aware. Maybe you breathe or you just don't do that particular section. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's being mindful and aware and honoring that because that's part of the inclusion inclusivity too. Mm-hmm. Um, and inviting them to where they can go, like where's their edge and where is your edge and how can those things come together? And it's a delicate balance. And sometimes it's more effective than others, to be sure. Um, <laughs> but I think very much of the TD in his boots. And I was like, you know what, man, practice with your boots on. That is great. <laughs> yeah. I love because that. it meant he did it, you know, he yeah. had jeans and his boots and it was great. And he did it. And then afterwards he was like, I feel amazing. And that's <laughs> the whole point. That's so, so yeah. Wonderful. Um, what's the most important lesson that you've learned in the theater? Oh, to take a breath mm. and then keep going. Mm. I think it's it's easy to sometimes freeze or get frustrated. Um, but I think what theater's really taught me is to, in those moments of discomfort or the struggles, because there's always creative struggles, right? There's blocks, there's moments where it doesn't work the way you think it's going to work. Mm. Um, and rather than throw up the hands or throw in the towel, it's to breathe and then find the way through and to keep moving with it, even if it's moving in a different way. Um, and sure, that's probably the yoga also fueling that. But I think that's also part of the the theater and the improv. Um, I've done a lot of work with business students and improv, and that's something that I encourage them to do is take the breath. And then figure out how you can keep going and moving through what you need to move through in terms of your pitch or whatever's going on, um, rather than freezing in the moment and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But take the breath and keep moving in some way. And it might be a different way than you expect. And that's wonderful and creative and exciting. But can you take the breath and, and keep moving? And I think that then helps include other people along for the ride too, if you can find the way through. Um, I've been talking a lot with uh, some actors recently about tech week that we're always talking about is hell week and we build it up to be the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. But what happens if we took a breath and said, Hey, this is a week where all this cool stuff comes together and we get to see how this fabulous piece of work that we put on its feet can emerge on the other side and be that much better. Sure, there's bumps, but can we breathe? And can we enjoy the the ride rather than stealing ourselves for it's going to be so awful? Um, and I think it really kind of reinvents the tech week process and the you know the horror that we build ourselves <laughs> for it up to be. It's time, sure, and it's stressful, yeah. But if you can breathe and keep moving through it, mm-hmm. I think that makes it so much better. And then the other side, you, I think you have a stronger product because you found ways through it um, rather than been, been resistant. And I think I've really learned that in theater. Um, and it's only being reinforced with the yoga bits. But it's absolutely that improv, take a breath, yeah. get your feet under you and figure out what comes next. And say yes, right? <laughs> oh, yes, I yes can and, right? This. Yeah. <laughs> I can stay in this pose. <laughs> yes, yes. I can Actually, be here. It's I going really... to be fine. I really love Tech Week. I I'm like maybe I'm masochistic, but um, I, <laughs> I I like I thrive so much on complete immersion, and yeah. Tech Week is like the the only time when I kind of allow a um, a production to fully take over my life, um, and I mm-hmm. like really love that. I don't want that to be every day of my life, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. In the, you know, in the moments that it comes, those intermittent times, I think it's so fabulous. Cause like you said, it's this, mm-hmm. like, it's when the synergy happens, it's when everything comes to life. Um, and you bring together everyone on the team. And I just like, I don't know, I really love that so much. It's, it's yeah. I, I look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. I love the energy that comes with bringing it all together for sure. Um, I've just heard so many people, even before you start, they're like, Oh, it's tech week. 
And it already sounds like a bad, terrible thing. Like, <laughs> let's reinvent that. Let's, <laughs> let's find that excitement, that synergy, that sparkling, crackling energy mm-hmm. that we can ride and make it fun in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. I wonder too, if, um, <clears throat> excuse me, if my experience as a technician and designer um, and director has changed that for me because that's like tech week is when, when you're in those roles is that's when your work really comes into play. Um, Mm -hmm. which then means when I'm a performer, I understand why we have to hold for 30 minutes. I understand why we have to do this thing 18 times. And I never feel impatient when I'm in the performer role. I think because I have such an intimate understanding of what it's like to be on the other side. Um, which is just like, you know, just a reminder to everyone, like we should be doing as many things within the theater as we find interesting because we only get better. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that understanding, right, of, of what goes on in all these other areas, that appreciation, I think, brings people together because you know then what the lighting designer is trying to do while you're holding because you want light as well as a performer. Yeah. So right. you know, that understanding is so important and yeah. awareness. But yeah. if you've never been Absolutely. in the booth for a, for a tech process or you've never been in the house or if you've never been in the catwalk for a tech process, then it just is like this mysterious nothing that you can't even see <laughs> when you're standing on stage, yep. you know? And it's hard to understand. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So what is, what's a challenge you're facing right now? I love this question. Oh, that is a fabulous question. Um, I think the challenge and this is probably a long time challenge, but it's more apparent, uh, is finding the balance. Um, As a creative type, I want to do it all. And I have all of these fabulous ideas. Mm -hmm. And in trying to figure out which one gets to be the idea or which ones I can balance. Um, And sometimes that comes at a cost to others. And so I think finding the balance between creative projects and also life So there's still time for that self-care piece that we're not always good at as artists. Um, That's an ongoing thing, but something that's really in front of me right now um, in terms of of how do I choose the path and and how do I give it the due attention when I want to do so many different things and I have all of these great creative impulses, but what's at the front right now? And then how do I give myself that self-care, that balance for me as an artist that admittedly... Uh, maybe a recovering workaholic ish mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is how do I, how do I have that life piece, which then fuels the creativity and the artistic work as well, but just in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding balance is always something that sort of at the back of my mind, but right now it's at the front um, because there's lots of great opportunities presenting themselves and it's trying to figure out what the path is and how I can balance all of those things. Um, with and and keep myself sane, right? Grounded and and aware of what I'm giving. Yeah, I really like to think about um, prioritizing rather than balancing mm-hmm. because I find that to be yeah. a much more actionable word personally. Um, mm-hmm. And just reminding myself of like, I mean, Tech Week is such a great example that it's not balance doesn't always look like a daily percentage, right? Like it's not like every single day I spend 10% on my self-care and I spend 20% on, you know, but it's, it's more like sometimes it's tech week and a hundred percent has to go into this show. And then, you know, in two weeks, it's going to, the pendulum is going to swing back and I can give 50% to my family or, you know, whatever that is. And sort of taking the flow as, as a much more long-term choice and it does balance over time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I find that just like knowing what are my priorities? What's, what's my purpose? What am I trying to achieve? And it makes all of the choi- yeah. those choices so much easier. Um, although they're not always easy, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. in a place where you are like, fortunately that you have a lot of opportunities to choose from. It can be so hard. Yeah. Oh, it can be very, very difficult. Agreed. And I, I think your point about balance versus prioritizing is, is really key. Um, I was just talking with some of uh, my students who are going to be future theater teachers about how to manage and, you know, look at their lives as teachers and as artists and as people. Um, and we were talking about the a teeter-totter, but more of a circular structure. So there's always something that's sort of tilting it one way or the other, but it's never completely 
at an equilibrium just because of the nature of the shape. So you're always sort of spinning it around because you're right. Tech week, you can't say, I'm out of here at 5 p.m. Sorry, everybody. Right. <laughs> there's, there's more there, you know, but then, you know, on the flip side, when the show is up, you have less to do in that side. And so I think, yeah, how do you keep the that plate on its pivot point, but you realize that it's going to shift at certain points. I think that's a great way to look at it. You know, the, the image that came to mind when you were talking about that is, have you seen those, the, it's like giant round rock ball things that are like also a fountain and they're like, uh, yeah, you know I'm talking about, um, I, yeah. I'll have to find a picture to put in the show notes for anyone who doesn't know, but that's sort of what I'm thinking where it's like, it's constantly floating, but if you touch it this way, it's going to spin this way and it can go any which way. And at any given moment, something's on top and something's on bottom. Um, but it like yes. moves however you want it to go. Oh my God. That's a fun, I'm going to, I'm going to think more on that one. That's a fun one to think about. <laughs> that's a great, yeah, no, I love that metaphor. It is. And it's so true is that it has to shift, but it's always floating, which means that we as artists and people are, we're still able to handle it. It's just, how do you find which, which direction are you floating right now? Yeah, exactly. And how do you make sure that everything yeah. sees light sometimes? Cause that's important. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. I love that metaphor. Beautiful. I love visual metaphors so much. That's like how my brain works. Um, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Good Good conversation then. We're we're a good pair. Um, What is something that you do in your theatrical work that if I applied it in my real life, it would make my life better? Oh, what a fabulous question. Um, I call um, this is going to sound maybe silly. Um, as a theatrical person, um, I like to have touchstones, and so something that when the project is over theatrically, if it's a working on a show or a class or whatever, I can be reminded of the wonderful things that came out of it by something tangible. Um, and then I have them just around office or home to remind me of those awesome things and the the, um, the memories, the lessons that came out of it. So when I come back to it, it becomes more active. Um, and I find that that just on a, a human level brings me back to the, the why of why I do what I do and why am I in this world to help share and create these stories of a variety of kinds. Um, and to meet these really cool people. So I think as a, a human, to have those touchstones and sometimes even tangible touchstones, things that you have, um, some people might even call them totems. I have a friend that calls them that. Yeah, that, I that sort of draws you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So, and I think, you know, having those totems reminds you of the communities you've built. Uh, and that's something I do theatrically but then it informs me as human and I think would inform others is to remind yourself of the, the communities from which you come and the stories that, that fill that, uh, which then can fill your heart, especially if there's a moment when you're feeling imbalanced mm-hmm. to remind yourself of the work that you've done or the connections you've made by looking at that object or just walking by, you know, walking by it and it's on the shelf. Um, that physical memory of something can help recenter you uh, on a, a different level. So it have, sounds a little silly. Like I keep totems, but I do. <laughs> no, it's, it's really powerful. I have um, a rock. I, I don't even remember what I read it in a book or like something, but something was like, go find literally a rock and make it your gratitude rock. So I have just a rock that like mm. I picked up off the ground and it sits on my nightstand. And I don't, always notice it because, you know, we sort of like forget to notice all of the things that are around us all the time. But every time I do notice mm-hmm. it, I have a commitment that I t- t- pick it up and I hold it. And I say, a, like, I think of a couple things that I'm grateful for. And it's so simple yeah. that having that physical, it's literally a touchstone. So I love that you're using that <laughs> word, but having that physical <laughs> reminder to like trigger a, a good practice, right. To trigger a good, it's not even a habit because I don't do it regularly, but just to try trigger a good practice is yeah. so, so powerful. That's brilliant. Yeah, for sure. And well, also, I'm connected to that. I'm offering you a second one, if that's okay. Yes, um, it's Theatrically, in the theatrical work I do, I also write, handwrite uh, notes to folks at the end of a project just mm-hmm. to thank them for their work. Mm-hmm. And I think as regular humans in our regular life, the more you know, handwritten notes 
snail mail that we send, uh, the more it gives us that human connection. So it's connected, but your gratitude rocks inspired that sort of addendum. So thank you for letting me offer that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the things we touch are become powerful, right? So mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. And also as you're talking about that, I'm like, I, you know, we talked a little bit before I'm going to cut that part out of the podcast. So people haven't heard this. Um, but I just switched rooms where my office is and I've been, and I did it like a week or two ago and I've been sort of, um, reticent to come in here and like, you know, get work done. Like I'm, I'm not really enjoying time that I spend in this new office. And I just realized it's because I haven't like actually made it mine yet. <laughs> I have like, there's yeah. nothing up on the walls. There's nothing that is like representative of who I am. I don't have any of those touchstones in this space right now. Um, it's all mm-hmm. just sort of like worky, worky work. Like all my bulletin boards are up, like my calendar is up, um, which is fine. But I was, I just, as you were speaking, I was like, Oh yeah, I should probably make this space my space because yeah. I need to be here. Right. I need to be able to be myself here. So thank you for that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you've got the work piece up, but now you need the new piece <laughs> exactly. as part of that. Exactly. And because my work is myself, I can't, I can't do one without the other. It doesn't, it doesn't go that way. So. They're inherently connected. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh my gosh, excuse me. I've got a little frog. Um, should theater be, universally accessible curriculum? Oh, yes. Um, Though perhaps not required. Um, I think accessibility is so important, especially now. Um, And I think diversity of stories within that accessibility is so, so key um, to letting and encouraging people to see themselves be represented and to tell their stories and to have theater being accessible to folks. Um, I, I have a, a colleague who isn't in theater, but she was talking about how her son wants to write plays. And he said to her at one point, well, I'm going to write these kind of standard plays. They're not really about me. And she said, why not? And he said, well, cause my story is not important. And she stopped him, thankfully said, no, your story is important. Write your story. Um, and he comes uh, from a really rich uh, Latinx background. And so she was like, write our stories. That's great. And so I think accessibility and diversity of stories and having access to an array of stories for people of all backgrounds and experiences is important. Requiring that becomes different. Um, so accessibility, yes. And then having people select where and what stories they want, I think is an important piece of the process too. Um, Sometimes when we talk about curriculum, it becomes a required component. Uh, And what I'd like to say required would be good. There are also Mm -hmm. some resistance there. So accessible. Oh yes. Yes, please. Um, And let's get all the stories on stage and give everyone a chance to hear their voices, see their stories. Mm -hmm. Um, without requiring them to do it. Cause then sometimes it makes it feel forced or unnatural or inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, let's open the doors and uh, make stories accessible to people and also encourage them to tell their stories. I am a big advocate for, um, and do a lot of work with theater uh, for social change and some community-based work. And I think that has been so empowering to communities to tell their stories. Um, and not being required to watch someone else's story, but tell their own. And so that accessibility piece is so important, uh, especially now, especially in this cultural climate and historical moment is let's, let's open the doors and use theater as this powerful medium that it is. I think it's, there's great possibility there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Great possibility. That's, that's a kind of a perfect phrase for what artists are doing or what is available to us right now is just possibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, here's your opportunity to plant a seed in the hearts, minds, spirits, or all three of everyone who's listening today. Mm, This is a lovely opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what I would plant in, in people's hearts and minds and spirits is take time to breathe. Um, We sometimes don't, 
think about how little we're breathing or how much we're not breathing deeply. And so even to take two minutes to breathe and then just notice the difference it makes, whatever difference it is, but notice it and be more aware of that. I think if more of us did that on a regular basis, we might notice more about other people um, and notice more about ourselves that we could take into the world. And so, yeah, I would encourage people to take the time, even if it's a short amount of time, it doesn't seem like much hit pause on Netflix for two less minutes um, and take that time to sit, close your eyes or keep them open, but breathe and breathe deeply and just see what comes of that. If you give yourself space uh, to breathe and to open up for whatever comes in that time. That's beautiful. Thank you. Okay, Emily Raleigh, if listeners want to contact you, maybe they want to hire you to do a workshop, they want to learn more about what you do, what is the best way for them to find you or contact you? Great question. Um, They could go to my website, which is emilyraleigh.com. So pretty straightforward there. There's a, a yoga page specifically with um, when I'm teaching locally, but then also to get in touch to schedule yoga for artists workshops or uh, private sessions, whatever is necessary. I am really flexible with how I can disseminate that information because I think that's really important, Um, but they can access me via email that way. Otherwise, emilyraleyyoga at gmail.com is another way to get in touch with me directly as well. But I welcome questions and whatever I can do to help people find time, create creative and mindful opportunities. I am more than happy to do that, especially for fellow artists who need these resources on so many levels. It's so uh, it's such a great opportunity to bring that to people and to help them discover what that can offer them. Well, thank you so much again for your time today. And thank you for the work you do in the world to help artists find the space um, to literally create physical creative space in their lives and in their bodies, but also just making self-care a priority. Um, That's really, really important work. And I'm glad that you're doing it. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. It's been really lovely to chat with you. That's what I've got for you today. Oh, I hope that you loved that conversation as much as I loved having it. Thank you again for listening today. Remember to hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and tell your friends so they can subscribe to this podcast as well. Um, If you want to chat about what you've heard know about upcoming episodes before they drop or just say hello. You can follow Find Your Light Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at FYL Podcast or on Facebook at Find Your Light Podcast. And remember, you can email me and my team slash Subi the Cat anytime at podcast at emilystamets.com. Also, if you're interested in seeing information about my upcoming live events that are happening, I'm coming to Atlanta, hopefully Anchorage, uh, definitely going to New Zealand next October 2020. Lots of exciting places. So if you want to go to those places with me, check out my website, emilystamets.com. Until next time, stand confidently center stage and enjoy your show.